0: That's Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. I'm Meg Rowley, and on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, I welcome Sam Miller, currently a BSPN and formerly a baseball prospectus to the program for what I would describe as a wide-ranging conversation about our own baseball viewing habits and our preferred baseball aesthetics, before I offer a confession about what it is I do when I don't like a piece I write, and Sam responds with a confession of his own. Sam will also offer a pool-based analogy for our collective experience of the pace of baseball that I think you will enjoy very much, but before you get to, it is my obligation to tell you that Fangraphs memberships are now available at Fangraphs.com for the cost of one pretty good but not great breakfast sandwich a month, you can support the wonderful work at Fangraphs, which at this moment features the beginning of Eric Langenhagen and Kylie McDaniel's annual foray into prospect lists, Jay Jaffe's excellent tour through this year's BBWA Hall of Fame ballot, and many, many, many other good things that are too numerous to list here. You can also, for a slightly greater sum, purchase an ad-free membership that will allow you to enjoy all those many great things, but without the burden of ads. That business being complete, I take you now to my conversation with Sam Miller, who refused to identify his Twitter handle in the course of this podcast, but which I will tell you is SamMillerBB, all one word, on Twitter.com. Here is Sam. The, like the things that Carson did I find myself trying to decide like what of Carson to keep uh in the interest of people not uh revolting yeah. and fleeing this podcast and what to not do like I find myself imitating him on accident when I do the intro uh-huh. twice now. <laughs> uh-huh. song suggests a particular cadence that is very Carson-y but I liked how he would he would just like start recording start talking to you and then it it would end up in the episode it would be like oh is that is that you there would you like to join this conversation I'm having with a baseball friend
1: yeah it's sometimes surprising even to the guest yeah I try
0: try to give a little a little more heads up you'll be introduced in in another intro where I will probably imitate Carson but you're Sam Miller (laughs) that's you
1: okay
0: it's a me it's a me (laughs) uh hi sam hey meg thanks for joining me yeah on my podcast
1: yeah you're very wait so wait so now we are recording
0: now we are recording. nothing changed we've been recording for a minute and 13 seconds oh
1: my goodness (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you want to do it again
0: no i think we'll probably just keep it all in there because we've already done a minute why get rid of work already accomplished yeah I'm in the I'm in the content uh, biz. Yeah, you now.
1: don't you don't throw anything away if no. it's if it's good content, it's good content, and if it's if it's bad content, then uh, it's like uh, it's it's found poetry waiting to be found by somebody else.
0: Yeah, or you know, sometimes it's found poetry waiting to be found published on Twitter, or you know, promoted on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I actually don't tweet columns I don't like. <laughs> it's a secret about me. Not of other people's of my own work, I should clarify as the managing editor. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's very brave that you just said that because now everybody knows yeah. which, which ones you don't like.
0: Yeah, I think that they probably probably have picked up on it. Although, given my new responsibilities, the, the pieces have been so infrequent lately that I'm just tweeting everything because <laughs> it's nice to remind people that I still write baseball words of my own on occasion, I guess.
1: Yeah. You know, um, we had uh, one time a... Uh, a boss of mine mentioned that um, nobody actually, hardly anybody clicks on the on the Twitter. Uh, that it, Twitter doesn't drive traffic, and so when when she told us this, everybody was aghast because everybody had been investing so much in Twitter. And then we found out that like you know, hardly any of it comes from Twitter. It all comes from from other sources, and so it's not actually that important that you that you do Twitter well or that you um, tweet your articles uh, necessarily even. And so I don't know this that – I, that I also don't tweet a lot of my articles anymore, um, and that's sort of new. That's within the last couple of years. And it used to be that it would be because I didn't like the articles, but now it just feels like some articles are just not Twitter articles. They're, yeah. they're, they're website articles. Yeah. And I feel kind of like I'm bringing in, I don't know, I'm, I'm like, I'm bringing in the wrong holiday, uh, music or something <laughs> <laughs> if I, if I tweet that article. And so I also, um, don't do that, but it doesn't necessarily mean I don't like the article. Although, as I told you earlier today, I don't like any of the articles until about six months later. And then I like all of them. Yeah. So if I don't tweet an article, I probably didn't like it. Uh, but if I do tweet an article, I'm probably also very scared of it at the moment.
0: Yeah, they're nice to look back on in retrospect most of the time. Although you always find things, or at least I always find things where I'm like, oh, I should have done that differently. That's dumb. Can I like go back and edit it's too late for any of the stuff at BP. I don't have access to that CMS. That stuff's just set in stone. Those are my words that yeah. everyone's going to read forever.
1: Yeah. Well, you didn't have access to the CMS at, at BP, but you do have access to the CMS at Fangraphs. And isn't that fun? Isn't it fun? Isn't it so much easier to yes. have an article up in the morning knowing that you can go in and either, if you accidentally said Vinnie Castilla instead of Vinnie Pastano, that's okay. You can just change it. So that's one nice thing. But also, if somebody points out something really dumb that you said or a bad argument you made, you can just go in in italics and say "update" and then put the thing that you're that responding you to. Yeah. And you don't usually do that. Very, very rarely do you need to do that. But the sense of of openness um, that's that that you're <laughs> that you are not <laughs> locked out of this <laughs> thing that you tried to say once uh, is really freeing. And really great, and I, I miss that maybe more than anything else. Now if I say Pastano instead of Castilla, Castillo, Castilla, then I have to tell an editor that I failed him, yeah. uh, which is not fun. And the way that I communicate with my editors is usually to email a, um, an editor email address. And so I have to tell all the email editors that mm-hmm. I failed them. And I wish I could just jump on in and fix it. <laughs> I liked that. I like that a lot. Back it's like in the having day. a parachute. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, you cannot. You know how they say sometimes, like Josh Josh Donaldson signs a, a contract, and some you know lots of people will say, "Well, there's no such thing as a bad one year deal," uh, which isn't really true. But you like the sentiment that like if it's a mistake, it's not a mistake that you're gonna have to live with for a long time. It is like that when you have access to the CMS. Like nothing you write can possibly be so bad that you can't just jump in in the morning. Mm-hmm. Whereas in, in real writing, with uh, with without access to the CMS, with editors who control your writing after you've submitted it, then we're all Justine Sacco jumping on the plane, you know? Mm-hmm. It's scary.
0: Yeah. I sometimes would stealth edit things that Carson had already edited because I didn't like a hyphen or mm-hmm. how he linked to a box score. But I didn't do it very often because I knew he'd notice. And then he'd be wounded or mad at me. It does make me realize that I, I probably owe you and Aaron Gleeman an apology for all of, uh, for just like how reckless I was with the use of, of GIFs and screenshots. I was just like, these should go here. Let's have 30 of them. <laughs> oh, and I yeah. did not realize that that was like an hour. It was like an hour of Aaron's life. And I was so cavalier. I mean, you you also are are heavy on gifts and screenshots sometimes. So I felt less bad in hindsight because it's like you're like, yeah, I get this. This impulse is one I know, but Aaron doesn't doesn't really do that. And I would just be like, here are thirty things. Enjoy that. Yeah. In your morning.
1: It's true, but it's an hour. I mean, it's only an hour. When yeah. You, when you think about it.
0: If you remember to put them in GiphyCat to load while you're still writing, then they're just ready for you. So you've saved yourself an hour instead of waiting. This is probably fascinating for our listeners. They're like, yeah, please tell me more about inserting GIFs into posts, Meg.
1: We had, uh, we had various GIFs protocols at BP in the time that I was there and uh, with Ben and then and then with me and there was one there was one way that we had of doing it that I refused to learn it it seemed complicated I had to connect to something that I didn't want to learn how to do Mm -hmm. and so for like a year and a half I just refused to do it and had this extremely more complicated workaround (laughs) that then was a big problem for everybody later that's not the same as what you're talking about. I'm just no. letting you know. I'm. In, I'm. It's just admission day. I'm yeah. admitting everything. Yeah, now. we're
0: just we're just laying it all on the table.
1: Sometimes I write articles I don't like and I don't tweet them. Sometimes I refuse to learn Ben's GIF formatting. Sometimes I go in and change articles that I wrote uh, because I put Vinny Pastano instead of Vinny Castilla, and I've got more on the way.
0: I like that. That is the name that has stuck with you, probably much much more than his career. Would have otherwise? Best on him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to abruptly shift topics real quick because I can't think of a better transition, which is that you wrote a thing I liked, and I'm going to talk about a thing in that piece that you wrote that I liked that is not the central point of that piece but made me think of something else. All right. So you wrote about comebackers Uh uh, before the Thanksgiving holiday, and it was very good. And one of your observations in that piece was that The advent of the StatCast era has allowed us to attribute to events like that a greater degree of sort of descriptive precision than we had before. So we can say, you know, Michael Fulmer got hit by a comebacker that was 115 miles an hour off the bat. And before we were sort of just like, it was 100 miles an hour. And that was not a real thing that meant anything and it made me wonder because i think uh, we we tend to watch you and i maybe watch baseball in somewhat similar ways sometimes like how, what do you watch for when you're watching baseball are you watching for stat casty stuff or faces or i think i know the answer but i'd like you to talk about it for at least 3 minutes
1: all right well i don't know if 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 you have this, I don't know if other people have this, but I, I generally have um, an, an incredible capacity to find something to root for, and I have a hard time watching anything where I don't find something to root for. I don't really have a team that I care about, so that makes it hard harder, but there's a million things that lead me to just sort of subtly feel an emotion about what's going on. Um, and so sometimes it will be that I just want the game to be closer. That's an easy thing to root for. You just root for the team that's losing. And sometimes I root for, you know, if somebody you know works for that team, it's easier to root for that team. I have a a, a long 15-year bet with a friend involving Bryce Harper. Which is great because any game that Bryce Harper's in, I can root for almost every event, even if he's not batting because like I want him to get more bats. I want the game to be... Uh, what, what, I, are,
0: what are the terms of your bet?
1: We bet... I bet that at some point in 15 years, Bryce Harper would hit 50 home runs in a season. This was after his rookie year. Mm. And every year that he doesn't in those 15 years, I have to pay off and If he does, then from that point on, I get paid off for every year through the 15. And so I've almost reached the halfway point where I cannot (laughs) possibly redeem this bet. Uh, But, and so anyway, so, uh, but with, with like, to give an example, I mean, so, like, obviously I'm rooting for Bryce Harper to hit a home run, which is a thing, a a very direct thing. But Bryce Harper only bats four times a game. However, you want, uh, you know, you want, for instance, everybody else in the lineup to get hits so that he'll get lots of at-bats. But you don't want it to be a blowout because then they might pull him out of the game, and you want him to bat with, like, runner on first, but you don't want him to bat with, like, a runner on second and first base open. And there's all sorts of ways that you just start seeing the the odds of Bryce Harper getting another at-bat subtly. Should, you want the guys around him to all have really good stats so that nobody will pitch around Bryce Harper. You want Bryce Harper, if he doesn't home, homer, to get out. Like, you ideally, in this world, Bryce Harper— would be the eighth-best hitter in the Nationals lineup, and he'd hit something like 160, 185, 560, and all of his hits would be homers, and Anthony Rendon would be an MVP batting behind him, and Adam Eaton would, like, literally always be on first in front of him and everything. And so you just start rooting for So that's one thing is that none of this is particularly conscious, but there's always some way that, like, a segue where my body is just subtly moving and shifting and responding to the thing that is happening, so that's one thing. When I'm watching for the <laughs> for the the non self interested part of the game, <laughs> the, the content <laughs> as it's interesting, uh, I watch the catcher's glove a lot. Mm-hmm. I do watch the fans a lot. I watch. I like to watch the. Uh, I like to watch four cutaway shots. So anytime you get the center field camera shot, so much. And then you get the 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 shot of the batter head-on from the camera well where you can see like four fans behind him. And then you get the shot, the close-up of the pitcher. And then you get the manager close-up. And you get those four shots a ton. And so by the by the top of the second, like you're done with those. And so I watch four cutaway shots where you can see anything else. You can see yeah. the, the ads or the, the gum bucket. I, yep. I never miss a gum bucket.
0: Yep. I wish, that the, I wish that those moments were like time stamped in MLB TV, if only because it would make writing easier as a person who also likes those and finds like weird stuff to say about them. It's like, mm. oh, yeah, here's this child in like who's dressed as a hot dog. And sometimes I will watch a thing and I will remember that that happened. But mm-hmm. I, I don't remember where because mm. like, yeah, you know, a baseball game last like 10 hours now. So then I have to sit there and do this calculus of, like, Mm -hmm. is it worth it for me to watch a full hour of this game to find the 20 seconds that they showed the kid in the hot dog? Sometimes it is, but a lot of the time it's not.
1: Yeah, when I'm really on my game, I'll I'll keep a little note that says, you know, sixth inning Astros feed, two outs, one-two pitch, and then the next day when the MLB game is archived, I'll just go and I'll do a quick, I'll I'll make a quick gif of it or do Mm -hmm. a quick, you know, grab of it, and then... I'll have it somewhere so that I can refer back to it. Because if you don't do that, then they pile up and you're never going back to it again.
0: Yeah. And then you get yelled at or you realize that a thing that is only 2,000 words long has taking you like a week and a half to write. Mm-hmm. I mean, like theoretically that happens to some people who exist in the world.
1: I I I used to be a big pitch count guy. I loved to I I would keep track of the pitch count almost more than I would keep track of the score. I had a I had a feeling that like pitch count was really how you could tell who was winning the game. And that just became less and less true. If it was ever true, but it's less and less true and so that's not something you can do anymore, but I really like the playoffs because pitch counts become really important again. Yeah. Because you're always thinking, "Oh, can he can he come back tomorrow? Can he throw on his throw day?" Or, you know, can he pitch back-to-back games? And so I like that in the postseason. It doesn't really work as much in the regular season. I I had another one, but, oh, I like outfield positioning. <laughs> uh, uh, and
0: so it, it is much it, – it feels like a thing that you would be – uh, what am I trying to say? They show that a lot more often now. Like we get the
1: – yeah because
0: people are always in search of sometimes even when there is not a funny shift in the outfield they are in search of a funny shift in the outfield so the camera will pan up like oh, is it there you know yeah, like you're peeking it, over totally. a wall
1: yeah it's great it used to be that if you wanted to write about positioning you really had to there were a lot of screen grabs of that like super blurry moment where they where the contact is made and they they switch to the overhead camera from behind home plate mm-hmm. and for just that blurry second you can see the whole field and so the screen grabs were horrible and garbage. But now they really do. They show pretty much every time a fielder moves, they show it. It's been great for content. But otherwise I just write about I, I just watch whatever I'm gonna write about next. And most of what I watch, in fact, is either what I'm planning to write about next or it's I'm not really watching it that closely. It's just on because it's four oh five Pacific.
0: Because there happens to be something on, so you don't you don't sit there and I've been trying to think if it would be worth it to sit down and be like I will write something about this game. I guess that makes you a beat writer, but just be like you have to write something. You have to find a funny or interesting or compelling thing about this. And I'm worried it'll make me really hate baseball if I give myself that challenge because there will be games that are dumb, or uninteresting, or like a real slog, and and then I'll be like oh god. What am I doing with my
1: life? <laughs> I, uh, I think that it will surprise you. I think you will have the exact opposite reaction. I find that the hardest thing about baseball, after having written about it for for a while, but really for even... I found this the second year that I wrote about it, is that it's a little hard to trick yourself into thinking that this counts because you know that at the end of the year, someone's going to win the World Series and they have a parade and then they're just going to start over. It's the starting over that is really disillusioning the first time you write about it, because you're like, oh, they're not like they didn't just end and go, ah, oh, we have a champion, yeah. we're done, baseball yeah. settled. They yeah. they just do it again, and that's great for fans. But if you are writing about it, there's this feeling like, oh, so that they're just gonna do it again, okay. And so, but if you're if you kind of move away from the from like the the stakes of the game and to the something interesting is happening part of the game i mean i don't why am i telling you this is what you do this is how (laughs) you write you've been doing this for years this is this is like the thing that i've probably stolen from you but uh in a more specific and uh evidence-based response to that i did one time i looked at the the saying that every time you turn on a game you have the chance to see something you haven't seen before. And so I took an entire slate of games for the day and I watched a bunch of them and I a bunch of people helped me by also watching a bunch of them and we tried to find something in every game that was interesting and that we had never seen before and uh, it basically worked. That I, I would not say that that article was a smash success. It was hard <laughs> to sell 12 essays about totally different things that were all pretty small but i reread it recently and as with most articles that are 6 months old or older i really liked it
0: <laughs> i i think it's part of why i don't think i tweeted it though <laughs> we should go back through and be like no this one actually aged fine
1: <laughs> yeah
0: we've we've turned around on this we've we found this worth the time that we spent away from our gardens by by writing this piece i i find i think that's maybe perhaps why i am always so drawn to to watching faces because they are sort of inherently more interesting although or you know sort of more apt to change game to game i love fans who are the same fan every game there's a a a lady who watches the blue jays who is uh i don't know she's Sort of uh, grandmother age. She has white hair. Uh She always has very, very beautiful looking scarves. And she's often behind home plate in the like really nice seats behind home plate. And so, uh, you know, I I enjoy watching her. I enjoy like seeing the differences in what she wears. I I want the team. I want the Blue Jays to be good so that she keeps renewing her season tickets. (laughs)
1: Yeah. It's well a she's a weird have you, thing to root for. <laughs> have you gone back and seen how long she's she's had them? Because they've they've had some bad years.
0: They mm-hmm. have had bad years. That's a good question. I have I think that I at one point maybe tried to do that on MLB TV before realizing that the archiving on MLB TV has changed and is much shorter than it used to be. Mm-hmm. We used to be able to go back several years and, and watch games from like three years ago. And maybe this has changed again, but that seems to no longer be true.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that is true, but <laughs> really, histor- the, like the his, the playoff games, I think mostly still exist on uh, on MLB's YouTube yes. account, and like the. Rugnet Odor, Jose Bautista stuff would still be on there, but of course that didn't happen at home plate, but maybe they showed like the by pitches around it. So there might be ways that you could piece it together. Now the thing is that she might have changed seats too.
0: She could have changed seats and also you know, you have this moment where you're like, am I going to write 2,000 words about a stranger? Yeah. Just hoping she doesn't ever find out that yeah. I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's why I get very nervous about including including children. It, like if there are ever little kids in the in the stands, I, I get nervous about including shots of them. Because it's like kind of weird to be, I don't know, creeping on some kid I don't know. Totally. Especially if I'm going to make fun of them a little bit. Like not in a super mean way, but you know, maybe like a little bit. Carson once um dissuaded me from calling a child stupid <laughs> and that was nice of him cuz I shouldn't have done that it would have been it would have been too much. Yeah. Uh so I didn't and I'm I'm grateful for that editing. Now I have to I don't know rely on others, I guess. It's another reason to root for the Blue Jays, but uh but Carson won't be behind home plate. Although I wish he would be. I wish that people I knew were behind home plate more often so that I could feel like I was seeing a pal while watching a baseball game full of strangers.
1: I'm impressed that you discovered the the Blue Jays lady because I'm always surprised every I occasionally will have this thought like oh these are probably the same people every game and then I look at him and I go oh, I don't recognize any of them and that's the end of that thought.
0: I think it's because she has, you know, she has that very sort of distinguished uh looking bright white hair. Uh-huh. And so she stands out on the broadcast plus the scarves. She has Uh these great scarves. And I think that there were several times where I was like, oh, that's a great scarf. I'm like, that's the same woman. She must have an incredible collection of very good scarves. Hmm. So I don't think I would normally notice someone who's a repeat person. Like, I can't think of any... I can't think of any fans on Mariners broadcasts who are consistently in the club seats behind home plate. Like most of their repeat fans who the, who the camera finds are sort of out in the outfield with, you know, signs and stuff hanging over the outfield fence. But this gal, whoever she is in Toronto is distinct. And, uh, and so I noticed her,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: yeah, I Dylan, you're going to cut this pause cause it's long and it feels awkward.
1: Um, Hi, Dylan.
0: Hi, Dylan. Dylan's great. Dylan uh, cuts out all the pauses. Emma and I had a bunch of weird pauses, and then they were all
1: gone.
0: <laughs> I, was, mm. I was like, oh, we sound so clever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't cut them too close, though, Dylan. No. Because you can hear when the ca- pauses have been cut out. Right. And you, don't, can... well, you don't want to think they've been cut out. Yeah. So you got to leave a little pause in there.
0: Well, now Dylan might have to leave this in because that's just good That's just good advice behind good for the scenes. For those
1: aspiring podcasters out there.
0: Yeah, you had a podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I guess we are. I guess yeah, we we're going to keep it. it. I, I,
0: I've have made a choice on this. Boy, one. you
1: really threw Emma under the bus, though.
0: No, Emma's Emma didn't really have pauses. She had one. I had one very long pause where I completely lost my train of thought. I also had a long pause where I thought we had been talking for much longer than we had because I had had a busy day and so I did not send Emma any sort of outline. And then I was like, "Wow, what are we going to talk about for another twenty minutes?" And then Emma came up with an idea because Emma is great, and I am a failure. So, so it's fine. Yeah, that magic is now. You know, I've ruined it. People are going to go back and listen to that one and be like, "Hmm, I wonder where these pauses were."
1: Yeah, well, they probably already noticed them (laughs) because Dylan probably cut it too close.
0: Dylan, come on,
1: Dylan, the worst.
0: Uh, We don't have to talk about your podcast, which is still on Fangraphs.com, but it's a different house now. It is good. Yeah. It's different. They're both good. Anyway, I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> not going to say more about that. Allow me to offer detailed reviews of my friends' performances. <laughs> what a useful thing to do. And we'll make our next meetup very, very pleasant. No, but I want to talk about aesthetics with you a little bit. Okay. Because you think about those things, I think, in a way that is not maybe our typical or current conversation which is a bit reactionary like every change is going to ruin the aesthetics of the game but it is a pretty prominent conversation that we are having around baseball uh, whether it's Smoltz in the booth having an existential crisis really for like a month and a, a month of postseason baseball or just you know people worried about the pitch clock and I guess my question is what's like your ideal Baseball game, like what is what is your preferred baseball aesthetic? If you were going to pick one, you don't have to pick one in real life, but if you were forced to, I guess.
1: Boy, I might need like a template to copy here. So can you okay. answer the question first? What what, sure. what is yours?
0: I like games that are low scoring, but where you have the you have the sense that scoring could happen not super often, but often enough that it feels kind of tense the whole time. Mm. Like I like a a pretty good, but not um, necessarily incredible pitching performance. I mean, amazing pitching performances are great too, but there's something really fun and sort of crackling in the air when you have uh, a pretty good pitcher who's pitching pretty well, but, you know, maybe gives up a couple leadoff doubles, and it feels tense, and you think that the dam's about to break, and then you know he strikes out a batter after you know an eight pitch at bat. So you have tension, and you're invested the whole time, and there's the the sense that action is right around the corner, even if it's not always present on the screen. And those games are nice too because they don't go on forever. I mean, we 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 talk big game about about wanting a lot of baseball. But like four hour games are a bummer if they're if they're happening often, and so a game that's like a good clean three hours, but it has the sense that there is going to be a, a lot of activity even if it doesn't always materialize. I think that's I think that's my favorite because I do like pitching. I, like, I enjoy watching good pitching performances. Blowouts bum me out because I worry too much about how the pitcher who's getting you know, blown-out feels, and then I feel sad for him. I feel sad for the relievers who have to come in and the blowout, and it's like, well, you're not someone who we need for when the team's doing really well, but we have to pitch these innings, so you get to exist here in front of all of us for a little while. Mm -hmm. That makes me sad. So,
1: I really like games where a team gets ahead, and then another team kind of stays close, but then the team that got ahead first wins. I <laughs> I actually don't really like the late comeback win probability graphs where like one team's up 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 and then like oh now it's uh, it's all the opposite. I I like the threat of that. So I like a team that's close because you're always thinking are they gonna come back. But to me there's I like a kind of a clean rationality <laughs> to baseball sometimes. <laughs> I like it when the better team wins a lot. And I like it when the smart teams, smart decisions pay off. And I like it when the stars hit home runs. Uh, And I like it when the ace pitches well. And I like it when the team that's ahead wins the game. And so I tend to like those things a little bit without realizing that I like them. I don't spend much time thinking about those specific details. It's funny because we tend to spend a lot of time thinking about very specific things like is the batter stepping out of the box right now? And is that slowing things down? Or is the catcher visiting the mound? And is that slowing things down? Or is there two minutes and 50 seconds of ads instead of two minutes and 40 seconds of ads? And is that, and those are all like crucial to the pace of play. But I sort of think of it as like, if you are talking about swimming in a pool, there's like three factors. There's like, well, are there good pool toys or like a water slide? And that stuff's kind of important. But much, 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 much more important is, is the pool temperature good? Mm-hmm. And then arguably as important, arguably more important is, is it hot? <laughs> and yep. if it's hot, then you want to swim. And if the pool water's good, then you want to spend all day in there. And it does not really matter whether there are good pool toys. And yet, we it feels to me like we spend a lot of time arguing about the pool toys. Yeah. I think that the big question is does baseball have good water temperature in its pool it does do you have a general feeling that like the stuff is competitive the games matter the people that you know also care about this event the broader world cares about this event like this is a thing like you got to turn on this game because baseball is happening and i i don't think they do a poor job of that i'm not suggesting necessarily that that that's there's like kind of a a deficit there or anything or a deficiency there but i think that's the much more important question and i don't exactly know how to do that Like i don't know how to get the world to care about baseball the way that maybe the world cared about baseball at least in our popular imagination in the 1950s or the way that the world cares about you know march madness or the super bowl or or whatever but i just like to feel like when i'm watching a baseball game i'm watching something that is like is a is a deal. It's a yeah. big deal, and I don't care quite as much about the aesthetics of it. I think aesthetics come and go and change. And partly, I like some of the less popular aesthetics. Like I really like strikeouts. Yeah, and I do I really, too. And I don't like home runs, which I think the average fan likes home runs, or at least that's what the thinking is. And I have never particularly cared about slow games, but because I'm I'm mostly a radio follower i have baseball on sometimes when i'm sitting on a couch doing nothing but mostly i either have baseball on tv and i'm listening to it while i do other things or more likely i would say like 80 percent of the baseball i consume is is on the radio when i'm walking or when i'm weeding or when i'm driving and those are all things where you really don't want the game to end like the worst thing that can happen to a baseball game when you're in the car is it can end and so, and it doesn't really matter how slow it goes. Like you're never I've never in my life been like listening to a game on the radio and been like, "Oh, he stepped out. the batter stepped out again. Like who cares when you're doing something? It's when you're sitting there that and you're and you're just watching, then it really drives you crazy. and i I'm totally sympathetic to those bad aesthetic things, the slow stuff, the pace of play stuff, because I know a lot of people consume baseball that way. And it's an important way to consume baseball. And, And from a business perspective, it's a very important thing for how baseball has you consume baseball. But for me individually, personally, those things don't affect my relationship to it all that much.
0: I think the only thing I'm kind of increasingly with you on the home run thing, I think what I've come to decide is that home runs are kind of like They're kind of like puns, by which I mean (laughs) (laughs) there are some really good ones where, like, holy crap, I cannot believe that Giancarlo Stanton just did that pun, hit that home run. Yeah. But a lot of them are so, they're like, whatever. They're little cheapy things. Yeah. And it doesn't, and I think that perhaps my favorite thing about StatCast. If I were to pick a thing that I like really like about StatCast, and I've, I'm fairly like candidly, I appreciate like the, the research value of StatCast, but it is not, I would not remember that StatCast existed if, if I weren't told it existed so often, which isn't to say it's a bad thing. It just isn't a huge part of like how I think about baseball or consume baseball. But one thing that I actually quite like about StatCast is that no, we we do know, and I guess this is coming back around to the comebackers piece that you wrote. Like w- we do know that the you know the dingers that Giancarlo hits are materially different than, I mean, than like the four home runs D Gordon hit, or even you know ones that um, I don't know uh, Aaron Hicks hits. Right, they're they're materially different, and so we can actually say like these ones are good, and these ones are you know, accomplishing their goals. But, you know, no one's going to remember that one in, in 10 years. That's not going to be on a highlight reel for anybody. I guess I wish we could do that for puns. I say that as someone who who does puns. There's <laughs> a lot of bad puns.
1: There's a lot of bad puns, but a a good one is truly, yeah, is truly majestic. And it almost makes you afraid for yourself that that, that pun could be so good and out there. And so I think I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I I also have a reason that I don't like home runs that I don't know if it lines up with your pun's analogy or not. I'll have to think about it. But here's my thinking about home runs is like a a lot of people think they like home runs and I I agree. I also when I'm watching a baseball game and someone hits a home run, I am more excited than when I'm watching a baseball game and someone pops out sure. or or even probably doubles. Like a home run is as a discrete event more interesting than all the other discrete events are discreetly. Can you use discrete can you use the other discrete in the adverb sense? Form. You, yeah, I'm not sure. I've never, never never tried it. But we're rolling with it. I think we so, can.
0: We should be able to, right?
1: Yeah. But but so here's the thing though. This is like, I'm gonna go back to the pool analogy, yeah, but I'm, I like gonna use, I'm, I'm using it on a different scale now here. Okay. So if you think of each event as the pool toy, but then you think of the overall atmosphere of the game as the water, Home Runs are a better pool toy than any other pool, <laughs> pool toy. But... <laughs> all the all the interstitial stuff, all the time that a home run is not being hit and in fact that nothing is being done is more interesting in a non-home run world. So like a home run is more interesting than a single and a home run is more interesting than, it's probably more than twice as interesting as a single. It's, it's probably more than three times as interesting as a single. But the, the, the sequence of three singles in a row leaves all that time in between where you're into it whereas a home run gives you nothing except that moment there's no there's no like interstitial for the home run there's no like build up to it there's no really even like leftover there's no runner still on after it it's a great thing that then it evaporates in a in a really weird way like you know how everybody's always talking about how home runs are rally killers everybody being like people that we you know roll our eyes when they say it's a rally killer mm-hmm. a home run is for the audience definitely a rally killer and rallies are are fun yeah and so um so that's that's what i'm saying about home runs i also i mean i I like them but i don't like a game that has a lot of them as much
0: i find that when i am if i am at the ballpark and someone hits a home run i for whatever reason and we're going to distance this statement as far as possible from your your pool analogy. I find that I'm like, oh, I can go to, I can get up and go to the bathroom now.
1: Oh right, yeah. No, right. I know. It's like, oh well, that's it's done. It's we done. We did it. We like, did it. <laughs> I I know. I know an
0: important part of the result of this half inning, which is that run or runs were scored. And knowing that, you know, I mean, if it's if it's like a late rally, late, it's different. But if you're in the the third or fourth inning. And a guy hits a home run. You're like, oh, all right. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to get another beer. I'm going to come back. And then by the time I do that, the the next half inning will have started, and I'll get to watch someone pitch who I want to. And and that's that's probably a bummer for baseball. It's a problem. I mean, not like a problem, but like a small problem for the sport. That it's this big exciting thing happens, and then you're like, okay, now I can disengage entirely and go do something else for a minute.
1: Yeah, and you it's would never great. you would never do that with a runner on second and nope. one out. Never. Nope. And it I mean, it raises the the, the the possibility that baseball's what what baseball maybe should do is, and I mean, I'm not saying they should, but maybe they should. Maybe a good idea would actually be to start every inning, not just extra innings, but to start every inning with a runner on base, so that you always feel like you're jumping into, an, like it'd be like, look, I, I'm not saying that like football's better than baseball or or anything like that. Maybe it is, but. Like you don't start football, <laughs> you don't start a football, you don't start a football thing. Like at zero, mm-hmm. you you started at like at the twenty, and I don't know if the, I'm trying to think if this works. I, maybe I, I'm not. I'm not committing to this. <laughs> no, I'm not committing to this point. But like you got you got the basketball and you got the football and you got the soccer and you got the hockey. They're all like more fluid. They're not like discrete events the way that. Well, I guess football is. I guess all of them are. Someone else decide whether this makes sense.
0: The difference. The difference. But like the the dynamism of all of those sports is in itself very compelling, right? So yes. it's different in that way. So even if you don't start, you know, on the twenty, like if you're guy, if you're football guy, I know about football. Like if you're if your returner uh, returns a punt that he should not have and gets tackled at the two, you're not going anywhere. You're going to sit right there in your seat because you're like, well, either they're going to figure their way out of this, which will be exciting, or they won't, which will be devastating. But it's like a thing I can't miss because then I will be the person who was like in the bathroom when they scored a safety or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so
1: oh, y- that's a good point, too. If you're on the two in football, it's interesting going the other way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the 25. I know that they start on the 25 now.
0: They do. They do start on the 25 now.
1: I was uh, – look, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not expressing this well because I don't yet know what I think about this thing. It's just coming. It's just planted in my head a little bit. But it seems to me that if, for instance, if you imagined hypothetically – I don't watch football all that much. But when I do, I like to see really long passes that are completed. Like mm-hmm. I like to see 70-yard passes. And so you could say, oh, well, Sam, the sport for you would be a version of football where there's only one play the 70 yard pass but of course we know that would be a really boring football because right like you would see a couple of them a game they'd be better than all the 12 yard runs are but in in the aggregate a game of 12 yard runs is more interesting than a game with two 70 yard passes right and so i feel like i'm now just repeating myself
0: i think where we have ended up and like i wrote about uh I wrote about Gene Segura earlier, uh, you know, when there was still baseball happening, because Segura was this... And not just cuz like you know he's a Mariners guy but like he was a very extreme in fact at the time like the most extreme example of a particular profile of player that we don't see in baseball very often you know he had the the least amount of daylight between his for for qualified or on the way to being qualified hitters with batting average of at least 300 he had the smallest amount of daylight between his batting average and his on base percentage so he was getting on base entirely through hitting and i appreciated that that type of player existing in in the world next to Aaron Judge because there's a lot. I mean, there's only one Aaron Judge, but there's a lot of of imitators, right? Who are relying on uh, home runs and are more sort of three true outcome happy. And uh, there was someone in the comments who said, "Oh, Dave Cameron wouldn't have liked you," which felt very mean. Because, like, they don't know. Dave likes me fine. Um, But also, I think, missed the point, which is, like, the variety of things is compelling. And so I don't think that it is an inherently like anti-sabermetric stance to ask questions about when we reduce that variety of of outcomes, you know, literally to, to three, but certainly to a type of player that we see sort of proliferating across the league. Are we losing a thing about the sport that's really important and keeps people engaged, Just, which is that, you know, sometimes you want to see a home run, but sometimes you do want to see three singles in a row and then be like, oh, God, You know you're in a jam, man. Like, let's see how they figure their way out of this, or or don't, as the case may be. And in that case, you're like, oh god. You know, like a sharply hit double is really exciting with the bases loaded because you're like, what if the the, you know guy on first is slow? Is he going to make it? So, you know, you introduce a whole host of questions that are just completely absent from the conversation when you know it's Aaron Judge hitting a home run. You're like, oh well, everyone's going to score now. I know I know what this is, right?
1: The Counter-argument to me would be that having a lot of home runs makes every situation feel fraught because you know that if anybody can hit a home run, every situation is basically a runner in scoring position. And maybe that makes you sit up a little bit more. I mean, we certainly see that in the way that pitchers work. Yeah. Pitchers are, it seems to me, a lot more cautious than they used to be in every situation because they're worried that home runs come cheap and maybe it works that way for for the audience as well i would be open to somebody showing me that that's how it works but it is not the way that i that is not not particularly my experience yeah i still like it though
0: i still like it though i mean baseball's great i think uh it's fine for it to be a bunch of different stuff there's sort of a uh um militarism to some people's uh descriptions of baseball lately that I've noticed. You know, again like the people who would say sort of unironically that home runs are rally killers where it has to be a particular one way sort of thing. I find that strange because there are so many different kinds of ways to be a baseball player, which I've always thought uh was interesting and good about the sport and, you know, similarly have have yielded a bunch of different ways to enjoy it which is also good so i don't know i should probably like let people like what they like mm-hmm. most of the time
1: i think people like uh what they like is swimming pool metaphors
0: it was a good it was a good metaphor yeah. I, I thought it i thought it worked really well i regretted introducing um you know having to use the restroom to that metaphor because <laughs> no one wants that 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 would not be part of my aesthetic preference for a pool <laughs> But uh you know, I thought otherwise I thought you did fine. I messed it up. That's no, my fault.
1: No. I, <laughs> I I don't think I should have returned to it is what I'm saying. Oh well. Maybe I should have. I'm gonna I think you know, the thing about it is that in about fourteen months I'm gonna write an article that uses that that pool analogy. And it's really an open question whether I'm gonna remember having done this or not. Sure. Uh, so I, I might just, I might just go ahead with it thinking that I've never said these words before, Mm -hmm. or I might, I might remember this conversation and then I'm counting on you and everybody else to pretend that you haven't heard it before.
0: Okay. I think we can strike that deal. All right. We can have Dylan go back six months later and just edit out that entire section.
1: (laughs) Oh, well you have access to the CMS.
0: (laughs) We'll have to retweet it though. And then people will know we liked it. That's true. Mm. That feels like a good natural stopping point. Like we've come back around, and I've I've abused uh, almost fifty whole minutes of your time. Although that does include the first like minute and a half when you didn't know that we were recording.
1: That's ten minutes less than uh, how much time it took to put all your gifts in the article. Oh my
0: god! It was really rude of me. I did. I had. I had one that had a lot of gifts. Uh, just one is a lie but one in particular uh at fangraphs and carson was like oh boy and he said it in that carson sistuli voice he has oh boy (laughs) Uh and then he made me break it into two separate articles which was fair because it was like four thousand words long
1: how do you know what tone he said it in
0: uh i don't because he did not say it on the phone yeah although carson like like many folks at Fangraphs, is is quite the phone person. We are on the phone a lot. Really? Yeah, which I, I actually have found that I quite like. I thought I would not because I was on the phone a lot at my last day job and grew to just really super hate it. But you know, Carson would often um, have a question about something in, in copy or, you know, need to figure out scheduling and he'd be like, oh, do you have a second for a call? And then No we ho- kidding. And then we'd like hop on the phone for 10 minutes huh. and, then, uh, and then we'd be done.
1: So I, never, I, think,
0: I think I never I can... even considered that was an yeah. option. Yeah. It helps that I w- imagine it would have been trickier at BP because most of the people are contributing on a contributor basis. So they're not you know, you'd be calling during the time of the day when they're doing their, you know, paying the rent jobs. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you'd like call for 10 minutes and we'd sort out what we needed to and then we'd hop off the phone. We have other people on staff who, um, and I count myself among them, these are these are welcome calls. You know, it's not like I'm, I'm mad about it or anything. But um, David Appelman is quite a chatter on the phone. Uh, so is Eric. We just chat, and then I'm like, "Oh God, I gotta go do my job now." <laughs> Been <laughs> on the phone for an hour and a half. How did that happen? Wow. I'm gonna have to be more careful now because if I'm on the phone and not paying attention, then we won't have we won't have words. That'd be bad. We need yeah. to have words on the site.
1: Well, I'm glad you told me this. I think I'm gonna give I think I'm gonna give Carson a call. I uh, I want to oh. congratulate him on his job, and I I didn't feel like emailing him, but I feel like calling him.
0: You should call him.
1: I'm gonna call him.
0: Yeah. He he won't be annoyed. I I think we all get nervous about the phone because so many people are militantly anti-phone now.
1: Yeah, like my best friend, my best friend in the whole world, he will never answer a call for me, and it's like it's, it's like now I don't I don't try partly because I know it won't work, but because it's somewhat upsetting to me to like think of my best friend looking down at the phone and being like, ah, he'll text. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. It really bugs me. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, and it's like, you know, people, you develop routines around it. Like um, my, my mom learned how to text. I mean, my mom's not like an old lady or anything, so it's not like, oh. But she just was text averse. She didn't enjoy it. And then she learned how to do it and found like emojis she liked. And now she texts. And so then when she calls me, I assume that something terrible has happened. And that's awful. I should call my mom more. I mean, she lives very close to me, so I just, like, see her fairly often. But I should call her to, like, overcome this aversion to her calling on the phone, which makes me think that, like, a family member has died. Because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a terrible thing to think, too. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, oh, I associate my mom's calls with death. It's mm. not good. Mm. I've decided I'm moving away from telling people that they've fulfilled their obligation because that's such a Carson thing. And this isn't Carson's show anymore. It's my show. But I guess instead I will just say that um, you're Sam Miller. Sam, where can people find you not tweeting your articles?
1: Uh, on Twitter. At. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, don't make me do this. All right, well,
0: Sam's <laughs> on Twitter. You'll find him, uh, and you'll find his work on ESPN. And uh, th- thanks for joining me, Sam.
1: Thank, thank you, and, uh, you know, good job. <laughs> <laughs> uh.